God took what I was, used it for his glory, and made me a different person. So that now I don't go by all of those things. I go by pastor. I go by Christian. Welcome to Treasure Truth with pastor and author James Ford Jr., senior pastor of Christ Bible Church in Chicago. I'm Steve Hiller and glad that you're with us today as we continue to look at the story of Rahab and a message entitled, Not What I Used to Be. Like many of us, like Pastor Ford alluded to, have testimonies where we can look back and see how at one point in our lives, maybe we were running from God. We wanted nothing to do with him. We made a mess of our lives. We have uh, all sorts of baggage. And God took us by the scruff of the neck, and he turned us around. He called us his own. He saved us. And he said, that stuff that was your mess, I'm going to actually turn that into your ministry. And so some of us who maybe do have sin in our background have thought, God could never use me because of, and whatever that may be for you, you know, that may be the very thing that God is going to use to give you a ministry, to allow you to share the good news of the gospel with those around you, because those people are going to see how God was radically at work in your life. Well, I hope that's been an encouragement to you, and I want to encourage you to open your Bible to Hebrews 11 as we hear from Pastor Ford a message entitled, Not What I Used to Be. Listen to what it says in Hebrews 11:31. Listen to this. It says, by faith, the harlot Rahab perished not with them that believed not when she had received the spies with peace. And so I told you it already, it means to receive with gladness. So here you have this woman and she's the only one that's saved. Why? Because she's the only one that believed. Read Hebrews chapter three and Hebrews chapter four. It, it summarizes itself by saying that those in the wilderness that heard the word didn't mix it with faith. And that's what this is all about. That, that whenever we uh, hear the word, we need to respond to what the word has to say. It, it's happened to me plenty of times as a pastor. There'll be times that I have scheduled to preach something and I feel like, no, God says, don't do this. Don't do this. And uh, I'll change the sermon. Okay, let me tell you the last time I did it. Last time I did it, it was at this service and changed my sermon. And I always feel uncomfortable because I haven't had time to work on it. And, uh, you know, I'm saying, you know, Lord, you know, this is not how we're supposed to operate. You know, it's like the man who said, uh, uh, I'm not going to study. God will fill my mouth. That's what the scripture says. And so he got up and before he prayed, before he said, Lord, what should I tell him? And the Lord said, tell him you ain't study. <laughs> but anyway, so I changed the message and I felt uncomfortable going through it. I just felt, and I just, I just shared what was on my heart afterward. And we did something we never do. Let people testify after the sermon. I don't know how many of you, you were here, but this was just about six months ago. Sister stood up over here and said, you know what? I'm glad I came to church today. I wasn't going to come to church, but decided I'm going to come anyway. Came in late. And now because of what you preached, I was going home 
and asked my husband for a divorce. Now I'm not going to do it. I'm going to do it God's way. That's what you call the word being mixed with faith. That's what it's called. And so this individual then is somebody who heard the word and mixed it with faith. Now, let me read Romans chapter 10, 5 through 17. For Moses described the righteousness which is of the law, that the man which doeth those things shall live by them. But the righteousness which is of faith speaketh on this wise. Say not in thine heart who shall ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down from above, or who shall descend into the deep, that is to bring up Christ again from the dead. What saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in thy heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. So you got to believe that Jesus is curious. We know this and we tell you this all the time at infinitum, ad nauseum. Why? Because there's so many people who do not have this confession of faith. They, they've been baptized. They said the sinner's prayer. They walked down the aisle. All these things, church membership. But this scripture tells us that the word has to be mixed with faith. And, and this is what it says. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how should they believe in him on whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent as it is written how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things but they have not all obeyed the gospel for Isaiah said Lord who hath believed our report so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God so he just summarizes it here what happened to her that this is a woman who evidences saving faith by the declaration of the confession of faith so when we go out and when we share we tell our congregation members you don't tell people that they're saved let them tell you that they're saved ask them how do they know that they're saved and listen to what they tell you are they giving you a confession of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. And if they're not, then they're not born again. And you know, it's hard to get people uh, to, to understand that a lot of people been pressed and starched, but they ain't never been washed. So notice thirdly, so faith cancels your history, confirms your destiny, is evidenced by your declaration of the confession of faith, the demonstration of the commitment of faith. Thirdly, evidenced by the dedication to the compassion of faith. Notice what happens now in verses 13 through 15. She went all the way with men. Now she is going all out for God. She's not a part-time Christian. Because what? Part-time Christians can't defeat full-time devils. That's right. You can't build with moving bricks. Here's the tragedy. That many Christians don't have the commitment to God that they had to the devil. But what's her first concern? What is she doing? She's concerned about the salvation of her family. 
She begins to tell them, listen, I have, I have people in my household, in my family, uh, that, that don't, I don't want them destroyed. And so what happens? Uh, he says, bring everybody into your house and they'll be saved. Now, it's amazing. And, 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 and what does he do? They tell her, listen, if you want your people to be saved, what you need to do is put a scarlet thread outside your window. And when we see the scarlet thread outside your window, we won't destroy your house. And we don't have to imagine what that, what that analogy is all about. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. Who gave her the scarlet thread? The word could be translated ribbon. It wasn't the rope that they went down on, no. It was just a, a, a ribbon hanging out of her door, her window that was red. And so the two spies gave her that. Uh, so where did they get it? They got it in Exodus chapter 20 when God told them the 10th plague in Egypt is going to be the death of the firstborn. And the only way that you're going to escape death is have the death angel pass over is if I have the blood on the lintel. And so it became the symbol. Imagine it from the red light district to the red ribbon where, where you have that salvation that it represented the blood of Jesus Christ. That here was a household that was saved the same way the Israelites were saved by putting out the scarlet thread which represent the blood of Jesus Christ. And so that household, no, here, here, here it is, here it is. Here it is in a nutshell. Who's going to be in heaven because you let God use you? John chapter 1 says when Andrew got saved, he first found his brother Peter and told him, we have found him who is the Messiah. Who have you told? Rahab or Rahab, she wanted to make sure at least her whole family was saved. See, that was one of the things that happened with Abraham. With Abraham uh, and God got into that little thing and he stopped at 10. You know why? Because he thought Lot would at least have had his own family come to know Yahweh. You're listening to Treasure Truth with pastor and author James Ford Jr. Unfortunately, we do have to pause the message right here, but we'll continue in just a moment. The message is entitled, Not What I Used to Be, and it is the final in a lengthy series called We Walk by Faith. It's been a great look at Hebrews chapter 11, as we've been looking at the heroes and sheroes of Hebrews 11. If you want to get a copy of these messages, you can do so by coming to the website, treasuretruthradio.org. Again, here's Pastor Ford. You know, uh, William Booth is the founder of the Salvation Army. And uh, they asked him, he, I think he founded in 1836. Uh, he was an avid soul winner. They asked him, they said, General Booth, that's what they called him. General Booth, what would you do to incite Christians to witness? If you could only do one thing, what would that be? Now, most people would think he'd say, you know, uh, uh, extend the grace of God. You know what he said? He said, I would send every Christian to hell for five minutes. And, and when I heard that, I said, you know what, man, that, that'd be novel. That'd be painful for five minutes too, wouldn't it? But you know what? When you look at Luke 16, the rich man in hell, what did he say? He said, Abraham, send somebody 
because I got five brothers and I don't want them to come to this place. I did a message some time ago, this is when we know Old Sanctuary, and I entitled it, Seven Things in Hell That Need to Be in the Church. And one of them was compassion for the lost. The people in hell actually don't want folk to come there. Now, how about you and I? Do we got family members who need to hear the gospel, who need to hear the good news? Rahab said, look, it's not just for me. It's for all my family. I at least want my family to be in heaven with me. Mm, how about you? Then finally, notice, notice. Uh, the last evidence is the delineation of the compensation of faith. That is her rewards. So I talked about this last week. Let me, let, me, let me finish it up. What did God do to compensate her faith? God always compensates faith. I didn't say it. We studied it already. Hebrews eleven six. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he to come to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Diligently, not every other Sunday. Diligently seek him. That have a prayer altar that they go to every day. That open that Bible and let God speak to them every day. That open their mouths and proclaim that Jesus is Lord every day. And so what does he do? There are three in the text. Number one, the text tells us in verse 15, her house was on the wall. How did God compensate her faith? By saving her, by protecting her, not just in justification, but in sanctification. So then chapter six says the wall fell down. Archaeologists tell us that the wall fell out so that it became a ramp for them to go up. That's, that's good news. But guess what? All the wall fell. Remember, I already told you what the wall dimensions were. They were 60 feet high, 30 feet wide, two walls, uh, 12 feet here, 17 feet here with a gap. Her house was right in between the gap with poles that came up, sticking up under the house, holding it up like they did in Vietnam. And uh, her house was on the wall. So there was a supernatural deliverance where what affected everybody else didn't affect her. And, and, and just like I said last week, it, it's amazing that God is able to do those kind of things. That when everybody else is losing their home, there's some that God says, you're not going to lose yours. When everybody else is losing their job, there's some that God says, you're not going to lose yours. And that's what he did for her. She had a supernatural deliverance. But then secondly, uh, she had... The spouse that God gave her, one of the spies that went up was named Salmon. And Salmon uh, uh, saw Rahab and said, they got to have Bible study. And Joshua, somebody's got to minister to her. He goes and uh, he marries her. And uh, they have a son. What's his name? Boaz. And then uh, he has a, a wife named Ruth. And they have a son. What's his name? Obed. He has a son. His name is, and then later on, she is in the line of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the last one, her surprising future. Now, now look at Matthew chapter 1. Look at Matthew chapter 1. Watch this now. The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Now, this genealogy, uh, remember in a Jewish genealogy, uh, the first thing uh, we see about this genealogy is that 
uh, it tells us he's Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So you see then uh, that son of David, son of Abraham is not in chronological order. That's not the way you do a genealogy. But why is his done this way? Because Matthew's going to tie him to David, the Davidic covenant, so that we would know he is the long-awaited Messiah, the king. Matter of fact, Christ is not his last name. You already know that. It means the anointed one, the Messiah, the Mishak. And so then, then it goes through Abraham begat Isaac and Isaac, Jacob, Jacob, Judas and his brethren and Judas begat Phares and Zerah of Tamar. There's another thing. There's a woman that's mentioned, Tamar. And Phares begat Ezram and Ezram begat Amram and Amram begat Aminadab and Aminadab begat Naasan and Naasan begat Salmon and Salmon begat Boaz of Rahab, and Boaz begot Obed of Ruth, and Obed begot Jesse. Now, you just missed it, didn't you? Didn't you? You didn't miss it? What didn't you miss? Her name is in the genealogy? It doesn't say anything about Rahab the harlot. Nothing. So that even though that's what she was, God has changed her future. She is that no longer. So that, you know, it's amazing. Like if you go to Alcoholics Anonymous, they tell you, stand up and say, uh, my name is James Ford and I'm an alcoholic. Well, I'll never be able to say anything like that as a believer. I am not what I used to be. And God doesn't hold it on me. And you shouldn't hold it on me. I'm different from, we need to drop. I, I am not so-and-so the divorcee. I am not so-and-so the, uh, uh, the, the baby out of wedlock, the this, that, the other. No, no, no. God has erased my past. He has etch-a-sketched it. We talk about etch-a-sketch. He has etch-a-sketched my past. And so then I need to realize, and you need to realize that anybody that tries to hold my past up to me is doing the work of the devil because he is the slander of the brethren. And so God then doesn't even put it in the genealogy that she was a harlot. Well, I don't know if you saw the movie, Catch Me If You Can. It was about a man by the name of Frank Abignall Jr. It was played by Leonardo DiCaprio. It was a good movie. First of all, it was clean. You know, no cussing anyway. So that, that, that's, that's rare. But it was about his life story. And uh, how many seen it? Anybody see it? Oh, okay, okay, so I don't even have to explain it. So he was, uh, he, he, he found out how to forge checks. And, and then uh, he lived a lavish lifestyle. As a matter of fact, he wrote 16, a little over $16 million worth of bad checks. He finally got caught. At the end of the movie, they tell you that the man who caught him said, you know what, this is one of the guys that, that, I mean, he's the best check forger in the world. Why don't we use a check forger to catch check forgers? So they forwent his sentence in jail and made him an FBI agent. Now, now here's what, if you Google, here's what you'll find out. This is what they didn't tell you, that Frank Ambignol Jr. then was working for the FBI, and uh, when he did his stint with them, Fortune 500 companies said, we want you to do this, that he made over $40 million before he died legally. From Fortune 500 companies, helped them catch 
the same kind of people that he used to be. That, that's all this story is about. And, and, and I know God had it in here for us. Why? When I first came to this church, you know who I was winning to this church? And I know some of the folk here probably were saying, uh, uh, you know what, man, we, we did the wrong thing. Because the folk that was coming in here was folk who's getting up saying, I'm an ex-crackhead. I, I used to prostitute. I was gang banging. Those are the kind of people that was coming up here at first. Now some of you, you know, because of the, you know, radio broadcast and all that kind of stuff, you know, we, 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 we have become more, anyway. Um, uh, but that, when, when I was in Pittsburgh, that's the people that I won. Why? Because God took what I was, used it for his glory, and made me a different person. So that now I don't go by drug pusher. I don't go by jailbird. I don't go by whoremonger. I don't go by all of those things. I go by pastor. I go by Christian. One who is devoted to the Christ, who is God in the flesh, who died, was buried, and rose again the third day. So what has God turned you into? For Rahab, or Rahab, it was from a woman of the night to a woman of the light. You know, your story doesn't have to be dramatic or drastic to be real. You know, your conversion may have been like Rahab's, or maybe it was a lot simpler. Maybe you grew up in the church and you began following God from a young age. Either way, there is reason to rejoice. And maybe as you've been listening today, you realized you've never totally turned your life over to God, but you'd like to talk with someone about that. Call this number right now. It's 1-888-NEED-HIM. Well, you're listening to Treasure Truth with Pastor James Ford Jr., and we hope you appreciate how practical these messages are. You know, these insights aren't just something to write in your Bible, but they're something to live out day to day. If that's what you experience with Treasure Truth, now's the time to express your thanks with a generous year-end gift. You know, as we get ready to close the books on another 12 months of ministry, your financial support makes all the difference. And as a thanks for your gift of any amount, We'd like you to have a digital book by the former and much-loved uh, president of the Moody Bible Institute, Dr. Joe Stoll. The book is called The Trouble with Jesus. You know, we live in a world that pretends to be tolerant of every religion and every idea. But when it comes to the name of Jesus, people are becoming increasingly hostile. And in his book, Joe Stoll addresses this topic and shows us how we can respond as faithful Christians in a post-Christian world. So give it your own gift and request The Trouble with Jesus when you call 1-888-644-7660 or go to our website, treasuretruthradio.org, give your gift, and we'll send you the link to the digital download via email. Again, our website address to give is treasuretruthradio.org. Well, Moody Radio is bringing hope to the world, the same hope that you experience as you listen to clear Bible teaching each and every day. And when you give a gift of any amount, you're helping to share that hope. Again, call us now at 1-888-644-7660 or go to treasuretruthradio.org. Well, I'm Steve Hiller. Our producer is Amy Rios. I hope you'll join us tomorrow for Treasure Truth, a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.